Yeah, I, I think that everybody has a little tendency to be like, okay, I, I, now I, it, was, it was judgment at first. It was skeptical. And I heard the song that you referred to, and, I mean, it broke my heart, absolutely. The, the, the Christians are going to be the first to judge me. Ain't nobody love me. And um, I'm just like, man, I, gotta, I have to really reevaluate myself. And, I, and I've, I've been processing it, and I want to embrace Kanye. And at the same time, I think all of us are kind of like on pins and needles about him representing us as a demographic. Like, uh, is, he, is he really going to represent what I believe, like, in the public eye? Is he really going to stand by the word? Is he, is he going to be something that lasts? But, um, and I think I was, I guess I was more than anything concerned about him recognized as leadership in the church. Because I want to see his, I want to see where his, his experience is. But just like anybody, I'm not, an, I'm not a perfect example of maturity yet, and um, I'm still growing every day. There, I heard him cuss on Jimmy Kimmel. You know, if you if you watch the interview, he said my Christian score, po- uh, Christian score, what is it? We just went down. Yeah, scorecard just went down a couple of points. But I thought that was honest because this is a guy. Who's, who's talked like that for the majority of his life, if not his whole life, and now he's, he's conscious about slipping. Before, he would have never even noticed that he did slip. Like, it, it would have been so normal and so natural to him. And now, all of a sudden, that the ways that he was living in before are unnatural. And it's, it's amazing to watch him transition into maturity, I think. But, yeah, I mean, when we talk about Paul, who was originally Saul, who did, what, what do you know about Saul? Anybody? What, what do you know about Saul, yeah? He was a serious murderer of Christians. I know that. He pursued them and caught them and murdered them all. Yeah. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Roman citizen, and so um, he was very well connected between the Jews and the Romans. He, he was somebody, he was a, a lawyer. Uh, he was well trained in the Jewish law, but he was also uh, a student of Roman law. Uh, he was a student of culture. I mean, you can tell that because he was at Mars Hill, and he starts quoting, I don't know if you know this, but inside of the Bible, Paul starts quoting the um, local, I guess you would call them like think tank. You know, it was, it was like the, the Aristotelians and, and the people that follow Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. Uh, these people, that they would sit together and they would discuss ideas. They were philosophers. And he starts quoting them in order to reach them, which I think is an amazing thing. Uh, but I want, I'll read this to you. Chapter 8, now Saul was consenting to his death, and that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison." You know what's funny about this is that Saul was literally, like, he believed that he was working at, on behalf of God. Like, he genuinely thought that he was doing God a favor. You think about this, in, in, in the Old Testament, 
there was a priest and he saw another priest or somebody from the tribe of Israel who went and got a prostitute. And the priest ran and got his spear and he, was, he watched them start walking together and he throws a spear into the prostitute and the guy that went to get her and it was accredited to the priest as righteousness. All right? Because he was sparing Israel from sin. This was in a dispensation of what? The law. It was in the dispensation of the law. So in, in Saul's mind, he's still living in the dispensation of the law. And these are enemies of God and they're spreading heresy. And so it's his job to cleanse the community in a sense. I, I really believe that there's even Muslims right now who genuinely and sincerely think that, that through violence and through uh, hate and, and all of this jihad, that they're actually accomplishing the will of God. And I, I truly believe that God's able to turn their heart and so that they fully understand as a seeker of truth who God truly is, if you're a seeker of truth. So it says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. It's kind of funny. I think that the persecution of the church is what causes the church to come into true maturity. And I, I believe that right now we're getting ready to enter into one of the greatest seasons of persecution that the church has ever known in the United States. And that the LGBTQ XYZ movement is going to make an enemy of you. And I don't know if you notice this today, and, and I'm not trying to talk politics with you, but something that's troubling to me, what, there's a political party, I won't even say the party because I don't want you to get offended and think that I'm trying to slant you one way or another, but they, they're saying in their platform that the that Christians are wrong. I did post about it. I just posted the story. I didn't even add a comment. You can go to my wall. You can read it yourselves. What they wrote is that they said some religious people are using their religion uh, as a way of justifying their bigotry and their hatred. And I'm telling you that it, there will come a day if you are a true Bible-believing believe, Christian that you will be persecuted. And Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted for what? Anybody know? What? The, the, they're, they're, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, <laughs> we know it's in the same chapter, though, all right? But, you know, the beatitude is, that is, is the attitude that you need to be. <laughs> um, so those are, those are your B vitamins, really. Um, I'm just telling you right now that this is what's going to happen at my cousins actually feel, if I'm being really vulnerable, without mentioning his and his wife's name, they believe that they shouldn't have kids because it's a wicked and perverse generation. My personal take, this is my interpretation. It's not Bible. This is how I feel, okay? So just, I'm telling you how I feel right now for a minute. And Paul actually does that in some places. He, he says, you know, I think it's best if you don't get married because it's, it's, it's going to be easier on you. Uh, that's not the word. That's not what God's saying. He just inserts his opinion, so I'm doing that. I think that if I don't have children and raise them in a godly way, who is going to be there to, to show light to the next generation? Yeah, I, I think I've got, I've got to raise my kids just like Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They went in. They were, they were literally vacuumed into a system. They were kidnapped 
into a system where they were secularized, except that they couldn't be because they had a standard. And their standard is what set them apart from all the others. And they were recognized and they were promoted. And I believe that as we, as Christians, raise our children and your future children, I know there's a lot of people that are single right now, but even as you're single, you can put money into your savings and start thinking about your family, about your marriage, about your honeymoon, about your future house, about what it's going to take. I mean, start putting money into savings. And not only is that a way for you to activate your faith about what you want to see in your life, but it's a way for you to plan. So I'm just throwing that out there. This is for everybody. But we raise our children because God is going to promote our children above the rest because they're going to walk in excellence and honesty character, integrity. They're going to be people that are trustworthy. Businesses are going to want to hire them. They're going to have work ethic. They're going to understand discipline through the eyes of love, which means that a lot of these teachers even right now, they're saying you put a red, red mark on a piece of paper and that's, that's too much for their kids. You know, that's too much. It's, the Bible says you discipline those you love. You discipline those. In fact, God says, he says, I discipline those I love. And I, I can read you the scripture. I, I'll look for a reference so you have it. But if our kids understand discipline in the right ways, they'll be able to receive correction. And correction is the only way I, as a coach, can get my players to perform with excellence and not make mediocrity. And so our children are going to be people that, that serve the Lord with excellence, take discipline, and grow from it and not get embittered towards it. They're going to be coachable and teachable. Teachable people will always grow. People that remain teachable, they, will, they are the ones that will grow. And the, those that don't, won't. But here, right here, is the, it says the persecution. All of a sudden, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. I'm believing that as we're persecuted, God's going to do something. He's going to make the church, take the church from a place where we've been wishy-washy Christians that have had secret sins and really only a foot in the church and a foot in the world where we wear church shoes on Sunday morning and we were in the club on Saturday night at the bar, you know, and, and drinking in, a, in an inappropriate way. I'm, I'm not saying that having a drink is wrong, but there's a lot that you can go wrong if you have a drink, if you're not careful. Um, so I'm saying that we've got to be, we've got to be the ones that we say, God, I'm living this thing out 100% for you, full all on. And it says, it's going to promote God. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So we're going to, we're going to flip, all right? We're going to keep going, and I want you to go for, to chapter 9 now. So we know chapter 8, the first couple of verses are about Saul. Then it says, Then Saul, breathing, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way... Did you know that that's what you would have been called in, in the early church? You were of the way... Uh, they didn't have the term Christian. That came later. Um, it's not a bad term. It just means a follower of Christ. But it's the way. What is the way? There's only one. In, in, in the culture that we live in today, everybody's saying that there's multiple ways, right? 
You just got to do what's best for you. You know, you, you do you, boo-boo. But, <laughs> but honestly, right, and that, that is, that's called relativism. If, you were, if I were to talk to you in those terms, it means that truth is relative to your perspective. It is, it's different however you want to think. If you think it's good, it can be good. That's, you don't have a standard. If you don't have the Bible as the standard, then anything goes, because the only standard you have is the law, right? That's the only way you, if, if, if it's not this, our early, our early laws were founded on common law. Common law came from the Ten Commandments. That was the premise for common law. So today, you see laws changing because people's moralities are changing. And so the only thing that a lot of our people in our generation know is that if it's if it's legal, it's moral. But if, you, if that's your only standard of ethics and virtue, when they change the laws, your morality changes with it. And that's what they're doing. Marijuana is okay. In the next 30, 40, 50 years, drugs will probably be permissible should something not change. They'll have centers in every community where you can go and you can do them in a safe environment. Uh, we've already heard that Elizabeth Warren wants to legalize uh, prostitution. She calls it sex workers. And, and, and so how, and tell me this, yeah, that's Elizabeth Warren. She wants to legalize sex workers, which is prostitution everywhere in the United States. And um, tell me this, how can you call yourself a feminist, a true feminist, and say that that's good for women? Like, 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 they fought for, women fought for almost 100 years to be seen as, uh, as, a, as an individual who can work in the professional world where their only place that they were accepted in the professional world in the Midwest was prostitution. That was the only way they can get. Now, we, now we've, we've, we've got women the opportunity to work in every field and in every industry, military and everything else. I'm sorry if this, if, if this is, seems weird coming from a man on a soapbox, but I'm, I'm a feminist, I think. I think I'm more feminist than the transgenders are because they think it's okay for a man who has 30% more bottom, bottom half uh, muscle capacity and upper body capacity the, to be able to go ahead and compete with women because he thinks he's one. Even though his body, in his body, he's got 30% more muscle tone than, than a woman has. I mean, come on, we, we've lost our minds. We lost our minds. I'm just serious. Like, it doesn't even make sense. Everybody wants to scream about science, right? If you're a religious fanatic, they want to say, you don't have any place for science in your communities. Well, look at this. When we start we are start referencing science. You're crazy. You're not sympathetic. You're 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 not using science in the right ways. You can't look at that. You can't look at science. I mean, that's how twisted the enemy is. He is so twisted. You guys, you guys don't accept science, and then we we start using science. You're you're wrong. That's that's anti-sympathetic. So here we go. I'm gonna keep. I'm just gonna step off this soapbox for just a minute. All right. So. Man, Jesus bless it. Y'all need the. So it says that synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, that means there's one way, right? 
not relativism, not pragmatism. One way, Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Who are you? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Um, what do you think he's saying there? Like, what, if I were to dumb that down, what, what, is he, what is he say? He's saying, why do you, you're, you think you're, you're fighting me, but really, you think you're fighting for me, but really you're fighting me. That's what he's basically saying there. So he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, and go to the street called Straight. Man, we need some people in our generation to get on the street called straight. <laughs> there, is, there is a whole generation of crooked thinking and, and homosexual philosophy that is really just coming to perversion. And, and here's the problem. The church didn't speak out against perverted sexuality early on. And all of a sudden now, when it's, when it's extremely perverted, I don't think it's any more perverted than it was before. But now it, it's, 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 real, it's too bad. It was okay when it was infidelity and when it, was, when it was adultery. It was okay. But now that we've got... So that's the problem is the church should have, should have taken a standard right then on sexuality and, and, and when it comes across the board, right? I know I'm getting a, a little off tangent here, but, but it's not just one. And, and we got to, I think there's a lot of people too that, that would, would be uncomfortable with somebody saying, I had a homosexual temptation. But the reality is Jesus had a homosexual temptation because he was tempted with every temptation. He was tempted with every temptation, and so I told that to a young man who was struggling with bisexuality. He said, I felt like, you know, I feel like there was this guy and I was attracted to him. He's attractive. And I told him, I said, you know, Jesus had gay temptations. And he goes, you're telling me Jesus was gay? Are you telling me Jesus was gay right now? And I said, see, that's the problem. You think that your temptation is your identity. Your temptation is not your identity. I can be tempted and not sin." My temptation is not my identity. I can have a homosexual temptation, realize it came from the enemy, and say, that's, that's, that's the devil. And not embrace it because that's not who I am. And, and not walk with shame over my head because Jesus was tempted with every temptation. And there was a lot worse than that. I mean, you could go on. If, if he was tempted with homosexuality, he was tempted with bestiality, he was tempted with all these things. But the devil will bring you a plate of temptation. It's only sin if you eat it. He can't make you eat. He can put it in front of you, but he cannot make you eat. So there's a street called Straight. And um, he said, here I am, Lord. Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. 
Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call in your name. I think, honestly, we, we, we really do feel this kind of way about, about people like Kanye. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear by the name for, before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. I really believe there's so many people that are worried that he's profitable, that Kanye is profiting from this, that it's a publicity stunt. He's going to make money from the church. I'm like, how many times have you ever heard of somebody leaving the secular industry and just getting lavishly rich in the Christian sector? Like, when, when have you ever heard of any Christian artist? That's driving, you know, it has Learjets and all this ridiculous amounts of money. I mean, sure, there's somebody that might make a little more than, than the normal person, but I don't know any, any Justin Bieber in the, in the Christian world, and he's supposed to be a Christian too, but I'm saying Justin Bieber wouldn't have made his billions or his billion if he was, if he was a Christian artist alone. Go ahead. He's been like flying every week to go see somebody and meet with them. Real quick. I'll drop it after this, but that I know it's two hours long, but that interview he does in yeah. Wyoming, if you watch it, he touches on like he said a lot of the stuff that you just said. He I was surprised by the amount of like revelation he already had. Like he even touched on like sometimes I still get temptation. But he's and the guy asked him, so do you feel guilty or Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got a platform that's bigger than anybody in this room will probably ever have in our lifetime. And he's using it for Jesus. And yeah, he's going to be persecuted. But just like Saul, Saul was one of the greatest enemies of the church. And then here, we're still reading a book about him. And most of our New Testament is comprised of his letters to the church. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it, yeah, Trump, I mean, yeah, he's got a terrible foul mouth. I can't stand, I can't, honest to God, I can't stand to hear him talk sometimes, to be honest. But he's done more for babies than any other president in our lifetime. 
is he has done more for um, he pulled 900 anti or actually they were pro-choice clinics pulled funding from 900 pro-choice clinics and is giving it to Christian industry um, like people faith-based he's connecting and partnering with us to help people and he's he's working for um, the for justice inside of the prison system because blacks if you look at it they receive us anywhere from 17 to 25 percent higher and more harsher sentencing than white counterparts that have committed the same crime. It's an absolute injustice that has to be dealt with. And guess what? Trump is tackling that. He just got an award for that. And I'm like, God, you use the donkey, and you can use a guy like that who's had three. Who you, yeah, and you can use you can use a guy who's had three wives and slept with porn stars, and you know what I mean, like. I'm being honest. Yeah, you don't want to think about that, but God can do. If if God can use anybody, He can, he, and He is. I believe He really is similar. And and do I did I wish that somebody else was the presidential candidate? Yeah, I was like, give me Marco Rubio, give me Ted Cruz, like give me give me somebody else. In fact, anybody else. I was a I was anybody but Trump guy. And then I I really believe. That, that God has used Trump to do certain things in our society. And, and, I mean, if you look at a critical eye, like, wow, some things. Look at the economy. They said, they, the news in all the media said that the day after Trump was elected, that, that the stock market was going to crash. They said that the economy was going to come to ruin. The, day, the, the moment he was elected, stock market shot up you can go back it's history it's not it's not a matter of opinion it's it's fact and you can look at unemployment rate they just somebody just asked him they're like um why in france is the unemployment rate so high whereas in the united states the unemployment rate is low and trump looks back this is why i can't stand trump for sometimes he goes because you don't have a good president like the United States does. And I'm just like, you got such a big head, okay? But I still appreciate what he's done. And I'm just being honest. I appreciate, look at where the economy is. And it may not always be this sharp because we've got to get a, our budget in balance. But I'm really, I'm going out here tonight on a limb on a couple of things that I would not say on a Sunday morning. So um, it says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I really do think even like the cover of, of Kanye's album was like persecuting Jesus. He's sitting in a throne calling himself Jesus. I mean, all of those things were, were really sacrilegious. But I'm like, I actually was praying for Kanye in high school. I was praying, God, God, do something in Kanye. Like, like do it. Because a lot of times you hear a rapper and they can say, they can say one thing about God, even if it's not good. If they say God in a song, a Christian's like, I can listen to them. They like God. They like, I'm, I'm like, what? I'll, and I'll read, I'll read something to you before. What time we got? What, what is it? What? All right. So I'm going to start a series next week called Letters about from Paul after God converted him and used him. And I think I'm going to start in 2 Timothy, but I'm going to read just one part of, of this. This says, this is about the last days, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That means dangerous, hard times, times that are hard to hold on. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Does anybody see that? 
Um, unthankful. Un unthankful. Does anybody see that? In fact, this, the, this generation, like, I saw a study that says millennials think that uh, we're the most underprivileged in America, think that we're the most underprivileged generation in history. My grandmother grew up with an outhouse. My grandmother grew up in a place where the, all the kids got into a bed at one time because it was so cold, where she had to drop out of school in eighth grade to go nanny for a wealthy community in town because her mom and her dad knew that even through heartbreak, it was better for her to get fed than to stay in their house where they could love her and she would starve. And we think we're the most underprivileged people. We have cell phones and computers and game systems. I mean, uh, and it's, it's unbelievable. So unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Anybody see that? That's me too sometimes. In fact, it's, it's me a lot, unfortunately. I want to I go out and eat fast food every day. And I need to just bring stuff from home, doing better. Despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. You need to pray for me. Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. How many people do you know that, what, what, what are you? Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic. Well, what, what are you doing with that? I go, to, I go to Mass on Sunday, on, on Christmas. I go to church on Easter. But what does their life look like? Is there anything in their lives that reflects that? And do they believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Do they believe in miracles? It, no, they're healing. They have a form of godliness, which is really just a cultural tradition and practice, but they deny its power. And from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Uh, I really think that what he said, he said in the last days, that there are people, that, and look at how many churches now are embracing sin and calling it holy. They're embracing homosexuality. That, oh, it's not just Methodist. Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, I mean... The only thing that kept the Methodist denomination from embracing it as part of their doctrine was the global church. The majority of the church in the United States in the Methodist denomination said that, yeah, gay is okay. As if we can just rewrite the Bible. It was the Philippines that came in force. But the... Um, and Africa. It was Philippines, Africa, and Asia more than anybody in Europe. Europe was embraced most of it too. And, and so I'm just saying, from this such are those who creep into households and make captive a gullible woman loaded down with sins and led away by various lusts. We've got, we've got to be mindful of this. Don't be gullible. Don't be somebody that can be taken away. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How many people, they go to church, but they don't know how to live as the church? Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This, I mean, this describes our society right now. And I'm like, whoa, the last days. But all I want to tell you is that if God can use a donkey, if God can use Saul, if God can use me, then God can definitely use Kanye West. And we need to, like, seriously, I want to pray for Kanye in the next minute that God would dramatically use him. And another thing I was just going to say about the land thing in Wyoming 
is land is the greatest way to invest because land always appreciates. It, it appreciates faster than the dollars that you put into a bank account. You put your money into a bank account right now, and it's going to be less valuable in a year than it is right now. You can, if you put $40,000 in right now, and you could buy, you'll be able to buy a small house, you won't even be able to buy a car for that in 20 and 40 years. Um, you know, even now sometimes. But um, I want to, uh, I do want to pray, and I want to ask if anybody has prayer requests really fast. Yeah. Amen. And, and every one of us in this room, I'm just going to say, every one of us in this room has a past and things that we're not proud of, choices that we make. There's nobody that sits here and say, I'm, I'm better than anybody else. Uh, but at the same time, it's not about your past. It's about where you're at right now, and God wants us to live in holiness. Uh, and we're called to judge our lives. You know, it says nobody can judge but God. But no, you need to judge your life and say, am I living in the, is it right or is it wrong? And and so that we can get into holiness. Um, but that's why we can embrace people that come through this door and say, we love you. You're a new believer. You're, you're, and we're going to help you get to where you need to be. But also set the standard high and say, there are expectations as a follower of Christ. So we're going to pray for them. Yeah. I'm going to pray for that, Tabby. Seven hundred families just pulled their kids out of school in Sacramento because they are uh, teaching homosexual education to second graders, first graders, first graders. Promoting the history, but they are teaching sexual education in Jersey. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a both or it can be one or the other. But but we can't. But, but we gotta lay, we gotta make our light shine. We gotta make our light shine. We shine in the darkness. As the darker gets, as the darkness gets darker, our light will shine brighter. But we have to stand for truth, and an unadulterated truth. And we have to have we have to be as gentle as a dove and as wise as a serpent. And and stop being quiet, silent. It doesn't mean that we just sit back and we let it go. And some people need to get offended by this nonsense that Kanye would probably have before called BS. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, real quick. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm going to pray. Father God, we come to you right now. There's so many requests, Father God, that we have, but you're God that accepts the smallest petition. Lord, you hear our hearts cry. Lord, you know our needs. You're a provider. You're a protector. You meet with us. You speak to us. And Father God, we delight in you. We delight in you, Father God, because you're merciful and you're also just because you love your children. Lord, right now, um, I come to you and I ask you, in the mighty name of Jesus, that each and every one of us in this room tonight, Father God, will fully express your love as we've received it and embrace others like Kanye, uh, Father God, and help them to promote their, their ideas when they're reflecting upon you. Father God, help us to, to, to bring support uh, for those that may still be in the industry and really don't like what the industry is selling and they want to do something different. Help us to take our hard-earned dollars, Father God, and our support and our encouragement and put it towards those things and say, God, we, we want righteousness. We want an industry of excellence and professionalism, Father God. And, and I'm asking you, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus um, to, to begin to give every one of us wisdom, Father God. I thank you, Father, for... Um, Alex and Charlie, you give them wisdom, knowledge, and discretion, provision, and, and an understanding of exactly where you want them to go, where you want them to walk in this season. Protect that little one that's developing. Father, we thank you for that one, Father God, that you've given them. And we pray, Father God, for, for Ted uh, continue to cultivate the creativity in him, give him the mind of Christ. Father, for Seth's friend, that you would do a mighty work in him. For Margie's friends, Lord, bring conviction without condemnation. Father God, that you would um, activate your Holy Spirit in them, that they would come together as, as, a, as a right family, and uh, that you would um, protect them in Jesus' name, bring safety. 
and uh, help her to know how to communicate your word and your witness to them and be that light. Lord, we pray for Mila in this meeting with her dad. Give her peace in her heart and, and help her to be loving, forgiving, and also discretion, uh, have discretion for the conversation and for everything else that I'm missing out. Father, for Sam, give him boldness and a witness in Jesus' name uh, that the enemy cannot refute. And Father, everything else that, that, that was mentioned, Lord, that you know it, you heard it, you love us in Jesus' name. Amen. What did I forget? What did I forget? Oh, yeah. Well, I do want to pray for, continue to pray for Disney and pray God gives us as Christians creativity in producing something that will bless our kids, you know. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to go somewhere tonight, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. So I was thinking Wendy's again. Is that cool? If anybody wants to go to Wendy's. All right, Wendizzle. God bless you tonight. We love you. We're thankful for you. Go out, be world changers, and a light that shines in the darkness.